Paul that uh, that their love was was good, but uh, he encouraged them to love them to love the Lord more. And I, I think we all should should reflect on that a bit. That uh, Lord, I, I know I should love you more. I know I ought to love you more. How shall I do it? How shall I show it? Don't don't be satisfied with yourself at, at the point you're at. Never, never be satisfied because it's dangerous. In fact, that's one of the things we uh, have before us in in this letter here to uh, to the church in uh, Laodicea. Verses 14 to 22, we're revisiting it now. I kind of got stuck last time on, on verse 14 because there's so much there. I'm not going to go over all that again. But uh, there's just so much to be said, so much more to be said uh, about the churches that, are, that receive letters from, from Jesus through the Apostle John and then delivered to them by messenger and on a postal route from Ephesus all the way to Laodicea. But uh, we won't be able to say everything. Sometimes get a little bogged down with that because so much information is whirling around in my head. I have a lot of notes down, a lot of things I'd like to say to you. But uh, may the things I say be pleasing to God and to you this morning. So let's now hear once again from God's precious word. This is the, uh, the letter that Jesus himself gave to be delivered to the, to the church in Laodicea. Beginning verse 14, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing, and Knows not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich. White raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear. Anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. May God bless his word to our hearts and minds. Lord Jesus, be with us now. 
increase our faith and our understanding through thy word heard. It's in your name we pray. Well, we have come full circle, so to speak. We began in, in Ephesus and uh, we found the church there, true church, full of uh, correct doctrine and discipline, discipline erred out, out of the church. They wouldn't allow errors in the church and all that, but they, they neglected something very vital, and that was their, their love. They, they left off their first love. And I don't want to repeat all that I said, but generations had gone and they just forgot the wonderful teaching and teachers that the Lord provided for them initially. And so they moved out of that most important thing of all, love. Uh, Pergamus was, uh, was a compromising church. It uh, was worldly. And uh, I want you to think of of these things as I go through them very briefly that, that any any one of these things or or even a combination of them uh, can can be true of us can happen to us if we're not careful uh, already I think it's true that many of us I think it's almost safe to say all of us are too worldly for our own good? I, I know I am. And I think you are too. I've come to know some of you, actually most of you, and you are a little worldly. So we have to be careful about that. Uh, Thyatira, well, they, they allowed, a, you know, it was a mixed bag. They, they allowed, they worship God, but they also allow pagan worship amongst them. They, they participated in, in uh in worship that was uh, was just false and, and evil worship. <clears throat> uh, they were, as uh, one pastor said, over-tolerant. You know, they just tolerated everything and everyone. They were allowing things to just go by. And diet. <clears throat> That's in Diatira. In, in Sardis, uh, we're told that uh, it was a, uh, a dead church. And the reason why it was uh, dead and dying is because they weren't watchful. They weren't guarding their own hearts. They weren't uh, imbibing the word. They, they just were careless, uh, even lazy when it came to spiritual things. You know, people can be really hard workers, but when it comes to their spirituality, their spiritual life, they're lazy. You know, you get into the conversation with them about spiritual things, and two or three sentences in, they're wiped out. They have no more to offer. Philadelphia. That's a church that we like to be. Missions church, a church that was at the uh, at a crossroad, and a door was open to them, and they were going to... Uh, to proclaim the gospel because this was a church that was weak in the estimation of the world, but strong in the Lord. When I am weak, says the apostle, then you, thou, Lord, art strong. So if you're depending upon your own strength to get you here and there and your own opinions to 
cancel out the word of God in some way. Uh, think on Philadelphia. They were weak. Very weak. They didn't impress anyone. But they were strong in the Lord. And that reminds me, going back to Smyrna, Smyrna was also a church. That was the second church in route, by the way. I'm going to just back up there. Because that's another church that was that the Lord had just positive things. It was a persecuted church. It's a church that was not remarkable at all in anybody's sight. They persecuted these Christians. And yet, they remained faithful no matter what. Just praising God. And now we come to the... uh, the last church, and many have said this last church is the worst of all, Laodicea. And uh, it was a very prosperous church, but according to the Lord, it was very poor. And so I want to pick up there that uh, we already know from verse 14, that what is about to be said concerning Laodicea, the Laodiceans, and the church has to be right on. Because the Amen has said it, the faithful and true witness, the one who is the source and the origin, the origin of creation itself is speaking directly to this church. I mentioned before uh, during the course of these uh, <clears throat> these sermons, these uh, churches and sermons I preached, that uh, this, this, this situation from Ephesus to Laodicea is not stages in the history of the church in the world, so that the first century, for example, Ephesus is, is sort of the first century church. They're loved, they're on fire, they're zealous for the Lord, and then they lost that love. Uh, and the second and third centuries is a church, the persecuted church, and that was, that was the age of the persecuted church, and so on and so forth. And like Odyssey is the age that we're in now. No, no, all of these things, all of these characteristics may be found in the world today. So that the people of Smyrna, the persecuted Christians. They're out and about in the world today. There are a lot of persecuted Christians today. There are people being imprisoned for their faith. There are people being killed for their faith. Some have said that there are more martyrs for the faith in this century, in the previous century, 20th and 21st century, than in all the centuries combined. Now, there's more people, of course, more Christians. But there's more deaths. There's more persecutions as well. So all these characteristics from all these churches can be around, and and, and there can be more than one in, in a church. But I said before that that Calvary Church 
is uh, is not described here in verses fourteen through through twenty two. That that's not Calvary Church, but that doesn't mean you cannot be. It's impossible for you to sink low like this. I think other characteristics of the churches that we have gone through may apply to us more than Laodicea. But Laodicea is really a danger zone. We should be careful to avoid. And so I want to move on to verse uh, verse 15. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot, so that because, in verse 16, thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So let's just take these two verses uh, on right away and say, first of all, the Lord says, I know thy works. And when the Lord says, I know, he knows. He doesn't just know your externals, he knows your internals. He knows everything about, he knows your thoughts before you even verbalize them. Before they pop into your mind, he knows what they'll be. As the psalmist says in Psalm 139, he knows everything. So when he says, I know your works, I know where you're coming from, I know why you do the things you do. I know your motives. I know your attitude. I know your nature. I know you. Because he's the amen, the faithful and true witness. What I say is not a lie. What I'm telling you about you is not a lie. What others say about you may be, what you think about yourself may be, but what I say is not a lie. Because I am the faithful and true witness. I am the yes and the amen. I am the one who gave my life for you. I know you. I created you. I created you. And every single day of your life, I have purposed for you. I have planned your entire life out from beginning to end. You don't even realize it. You think you know. You don't know, as the saying goes, the half of it. Focus on me, and you will find out more and more. Well, your works, uh, Laodicea, your Laodiceans, your works are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. Now, I must admit that I misunderstood this verse not too long ago. You know, I thought that uh, you know to be cold or to be cold was uh, to be cold towards error. Ice cold towards error. Turn your back on error. Not allowed error at not a not an inch in your life. Thrust it out of your life. 
cold in that way because obviously to be cold or hot, the Lord wants you to be. It's not like uh, to be, you know, it's like some say that to be cold is to be uh, just don't, don't care about the Lord, don't care about His Word, don't care about it, you, at, you, I, that the Lord would rather you not show any faith whatsoever than lukewarm faith. No, that, that's not it. A lot of people said that, but that's not it. That's wrong. Not, that's the wrong idea. No, the Lord's commending. Be cold or be hot, but you're neither. You're lukewarm. But again, we want to be careful not to spiritualize things. And I, I mentioned to you that, uh, you know, Laodicea was uh, in a position where it uh, was between two, two other cities, uh, Hierapolis to the north, Colossae to the south. Colossae had water. Uh, from the mountains that came down into the streams, into the valley, and it was just ice cold, that refreshing water, good to drink. It was good, it was healthy. And Hierapolis to the north had, had these, uh, these hot springs, still there today in Turkey. These hot springs that bubbled up and uh, people would go to them. They still do go to them for for therapeutic, uh, for their therapeutic properties, and they would get well or feel better if they bathe in these waters, these hot springs in Hierapolis. And what they did was they created aqueducts to go to. Uh, that traveled all the way about six miles from Hierapolis. Uh, maybe a little bit more from Colossae. And they brought the water into, uh, into Laodicea. didn't have that. didn't have this cold, refreshing, healthy water that Colossae had. didn't have those hot springs, those therapeutic uh, baths. But by the time it got to, uh, from, from the aqueducts to the system there, they were made out of clay, uh, clay pipes, that are just deposited of other things, other minerals and things like that into the water. By the time it got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. And it was, uh, it, it actually was used as a, as an emetic. It, it was used to induce vomiting. That's how disgusting the water was to, to drink. And, and this is pretty much, you know, agreed upon by scholars, archaeologists, and things like that. So, uh, the Lord is saying that I would rather you be hot or cold. Well, what's that mean? Like the water at Colossae, like the water at Heropolis, but not the lukewarm one. You know, it takes a lot of energy to keep water cold, Right? It's a lot of energy. Just think of your refrigerator and your freezer that keep things cold. It takes energy. It takes energy in nature to keep things cold, to make them ice cold. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of movement. Same with heat. Keep things hot. It takes a lot of energy. But you take a nice piping hot cup of coffee or tea and you leave it just a little while it loses its energy and it becomes lukewarm not so very good right 
So what the Lord is saying here is, I know your works, like no one else can, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot, which means that I would would that you were useful, that you were that you were full of energy, that you that you did something, that you did something worthwhile, that you did something useful for me, for my kingdom, for my church. But you're lukewarm. You've lost your energy. You've lost your power. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow. Can you imagine saying that to a church? To a group of people? Because listen what happens in verses 17. In verse 17, because thou says that I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and know not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Wow, wow, wow. You think you're hot stuff. And you are nothing. You are wretched. The word wretched means pitiful. You are miserable. You're the kind of person that no one wants to be around. I don't want to be around you the way you are. You're poor. Now, the Laodiceans prided themselves on being rich, right? They were a banking uh, city. Cicero, great statesman and orator, did his banking there. They were rich in gold. They had gold coins that they produced. And they were very rich. And I mentioned to you last time that there was an earthquake. I think there were two, one in 17 and one in, in, in around AD 60. It devastated the city and the, you know, the emperor wanted to help them out. Came to them and the Odysseans, the officials there said, uh, we don't need your help. We can rebuild ourselves. Imagine that. They weren't being nasty with the, uh, towards the emperor or anything. They were saying the thanks, but no thanks. We, we have the know-how, we have the money, we're going to build it ourselves. So they prided themselves. They, uh, they also had these clothes. I told you that last time about these black sheep. They had this black wool. Like, I, I think someone has said, uh, scholars have said that uh, it was that, that way because of the, the waters that were there. They were rich in minerals and things like that. And the sheep that drank the waters, they, their wool turned black. Thousands of these sheep. And they were very, they made this, uh, this, these garments from this wool that were uh, desirous. Many rich people wanted the, the, the fur coat that was made there. So they were garment center as well. And they also had a medical center that uh, had this eye staff, Phrygian powder, that was able to heal some, some eye problems so people could, could see, could actually returned their sight somewhat. And they were known for this all over the region. And now the Lord says that, uh, that you don't realize that 
You are poor, you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Could you imagine a minister going to one of these churches that is just as just the biggest church in town? People are wealthy, they're successful, they have all kinds of properties, they are are known in the community and respected by everyone. And then someone, a guest minister, comes to the pulpit and tells them that at that church that you think that you are rich, that you are increased with goods because of your successful businesses and your successes in life and things like that, and your many children and they're all healthy and everything's going well for you. You have a beautiful home, a beautiful house. And uh, you have vacation home as well, and you're just you're just living it up, you know. You just you just you know just the Lord has blessed you, right? The Lord has prospered you. And then someone comes along and tells you, do you realize that according to God, you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? What do you think a group like that would do to a minister that said that to him? <laughs> They'd never have him back, that's for sure. If not, that someone come up to the Pope and just throw him out. People, brothers and sisters, in the faith, I'm speaking to Christians. God is speaking to Christians. If you ever think ever think because you have things and your mind is occupied so much with these things and other people pat you on the back and think and say wonderful things about you beware when all men say good things Jesus says beware because you are not a good person. You may be rich in this world's this world's goods and but you are poor spiritually. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Does that change because of material wealth? Should we be defining ourselves ever ever defining ourselves by the things that we possess or the things the words that people say should we ever ever define ourselves that way where art thou when all men say good things about you I am always, always to consider myself a wretch. A wretched man that I am, who shall save me from the body of this death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ. I'm poor. I'm blind. And I'm naked. I need 
the Lord's counsel. Because that's the way I am in my nature as I stand before God. There's nothing, nothing about me that's good. That's righteous. That's noteworthy. I wish I could reach into your hearts. God can. And make you take note of this always. So that you be humble. God resists the proud. You want to mock? You want to talk ill? About someone that's going to t- that's telling you the truth, go right ahead. It's your grave you're digging. In your nature, on your own, since the fall, all of us that have come from the loins of Adam and Eve, and then after him, Noah and his family, that were all descendants, every Every one of us is wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked before God. No, none, no exception. No matter who you are or who you think you are or what others say about you. That's why... I want what I want to I, I want to establish my life on what God says. I want to God, I, you know when I think about it I'm I, man I'm wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. If I think of myself in this way I, I need help. I need counsel. This is not good to hear. This is upsetting. Really? Well, here's the counsel. The Lord gives us counsel. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. What's that saying? Well, Jesus said that, look, you can't serve two masters. Mammon which is money and the things that money can buy and the activities that money can get get you. You can't serve that, which you and I serve, unfortunately. We still do. Be honest. You can't serve two masters. Mammon? Money, the things that money can buy, what it gets you and all that. And me. Choose one. You can't, can't straddle the fence. You're going to fall. Choose one. Used to, uh, when we were reading fairy tales to our children and stories uh, being told and maybe, you know, even watching some programs on television. 
uh, yeah, the old Irish thing about the rainbow. And at the end of the rainbow, there's a pot of gold. Right? You've heard that. Right. Maybe some of our young kids haven't. These I don't know what they're hearing. But I think most of us have heard about the pot of gold that's at the end of the road. Of course, it's elusive. You can never get to it because as soon as you walk towards the rainbow, too, too close to it, it disappears because refraction, light, and all that. But uh, it, was, uh, it was a treasure at the end of a rainbow. And you see the rain. Everybody marvels at the rainbow and the beauty of it, even to this day, right? They don't think about the fact that God's put that arranged the elements in such a way that rainbows would appear in the sky and it's to remind us that he made an oath. He made a promise. He swore, God swore, yeah, that he would never again wipe out all life on this planet by flood. God is telling us here, counsel, buy of me. In other words, Seek, seek the treasures of God that I provide. Become rich through me. Exercise your faith and repentance. Grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go to church. Examine yourselves. Partake of communion. Do everything and anything you can, especially on the Lord's Day. Set aside a whole day for you to grow up and out. Seek the treasures. Not earthly stuff. Stop it. Stop it. That's not making you rich spiritually. Seek first the kingdom of God. Don't even care about the food, the clothes, and the shelters that you have. Seek first the kingdom of God, and I'll give these things to you. Pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Now we're saying how rich we are, wealthy we are, (laughs) give me my pension so I can retire comfortably for the next 20 years. It's not the prayer the Lord taught. Pastor, why do you say this stuff to us? You know, kind of negative. I mean, you just said we're not Laodicea, which could be. And you do rely too much on your... whatever. Your pensions, your jobs, your education, whatever. For too much. Not enough, Lord. Well, you, why do you say? Because I love you. Those I love. The Lord says I rebuke. I'm a father in the church. I'm an ambassador for Jesus. I'm supposed to offend you sometimes. It's my job. 
when we uh, kids were growing up, they uh, they used to answer back their mother quite a bit because their mother, you know, she just she's not so disciplinarian. She's not. She's a lovely person, very gentle, gentle spirit. Not me. And they didn't like me too much when I had to discipline. I didn't mind it. It's good for them. Seek the treasures of the kingdom of God. Seek the treasures of heaven that thou may be rich. White raiment, not the black sheep, uh, the clothes of the black sheep. Everybody coveted it. Everybody wanted it. In my day, and I told you this before, in my day, women, a lot of women that had money and wealth, they wanted a full mink coat. Oh, man, they're beautiful. Beautiful mink coat. Don't seek that stuff. Don't trouble yourself over that. But white raiment, the righteousness, the being clothed with Christ, the garment, let, let Christ clothe you in his righteousness. Let the Spirit sanctify you in his holiness. And that will cover your nakedness before God, so that you will not be naked. You will not be poor. And, uh, and as far as the blindness goes, the, the, that uh, he says, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. What's the first thing we do if we're sick or we're troubled like that? We want to see the doctor. We want to go there. It's the first thing I do is pray up on my knees and pray, Lord, if I can. I mean, if I'm unconscious here, yeah, someone's going to take me off. But if I'm sick, if I'm feeling sick, if I'm starting to, you know, like lose my sight or something like that, I'm asking the Lord. Like I lost my hearing. In this year, I asked the Lord first. Because he's the great physician. He's going to lead me in the direction I should go. Whether I should go to the doctor or whether I should wait and see what he does. Seek the great physician. And then verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Uh, brothers and sisters, I, again, I say these things, uh, and I know sometimes they're, they're a little difficult, a little hard, a little strong, strong medicine. But that's what the Lord does to those he loves. And he tells us who are ministers of his word to do likewise. And call the people, call the people, always call the people to zeal and to repentance. That's not a one-time thing. You were zealous before. But, and you repented of your sin when you, you, know, had, you found out that this this was a sin, a terrible sin that you committed against somebody and you were sorry, you're terribly sorry, that's fine. But you have to do it again and again. You have to be zealous all the time for the Lord. You have to repent every single day. You can't let a day go by or you, you lose some, some ground. And someone that loves you is going to say that to you. Peter, 
you're going to go home after this sermon, that you just preached with all your heart the best way you could, and you're going to you're going to sin. You're going to do something that's sinful. Yeah, I am. Probably am. Probably you will too. What are you going to do about that? Forget it? No. I'm going to be zealous and repent. And ask the Lord to strengthen me for another day. A lot of sins I have committed in my, young, in my youth, and even when I was married to my wife and before my family, I committed sins. And they know it. They saw it. They felt it. And I've repented of those sins. And I've overcome some of them. And I thank God. So do they. But I still have to repent. Still not right. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to, into him and will sup with him and he with me. And there again, you have, uh, you know, the, the, the idea is that uh, a lot of people have this idea that it's just an evangelical thing where you, you know, tell people to open the door of their heart and let Jesus in. That's not really what's being said here. It's not evangelical too because this is a church. This is a church. He's standing at the door of the church. He's knocking. The church has, has, has put Jesus outside of it. And he's saying to those who have, have fallen asleep in this apostate church, this church full of themselves, rich in this world and the adulations of the world, He's saying to anyone who hears his voice in the word, maybe the reading of the word or something like that, to let him in. And you think that that's a remarkable thing, that maybe one or two or three or four people out of this whole congregation might be able to hear this. And that's all it takes to turn a place around, right? Think of Martin Luther, one guy. And look what happened with, with the Reformation. Now, he wasn't alone, but... I mean, he was the main guy. And he started the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. One person. One person heard. One person heard the Lord knocking and saying, wait a minute, this is all wrong. The church has kicked me out. Right? The Romish church has kicked me out. So anyone who will hear, I will come to him and sup with him. And there's a... I think it's, it's, it's hinting at the supper, the communion, the intimacy, the intimate. You're united with Christ, but you also have communion with Christ. You have an intimate relationship with Christ. He's inviting you to sup with him, to fellowship with him. And the Lord's Supper is about that. It's about the most intimate fellowship on earth that anyone can have, believe it or not. You realize that? You should never miss communion, Ever. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my Father in his throne. Wow, we're going to heaven if we overcome. How do you overcome? First John 5, verses 4 and 5. 
Uh, what overcomes the world? What overcomes the devil? What overcomes our sin? What is that? What we have that we have that we that we need that we have to use in order to overcome all this sin and Satan and worldliness and and everything bad spiritually. What is it that we have? Faith. Your faith. Read First John five verses four and five. Your faith overcomes the world Satan sin he that overcomes by faith in Jesus Christ will sit around maybe even upon a throne in heaven let he that has an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches Jesus said that in the gospel of Matthew when he gave the uh, uh, the uh, kingdom parables. And he said a couple of times, let him who has an ear hear what I am saying. Let him... I talked about my, uh, with my wife the other day about the parables and uh, that Jesus explains the parables to his disciples, but to those who were not his disciples, he spoke in parables so that they would hear but not understand. What do you mean? They understood what he was saying. They understood he, they were, he was talking about them. They understood the language. They understood, you know, the imagery and all that stuff. No. They didn't. What, what, what he means by that is they did not, when they, they heard it, they did not listen. They did not take it into their lives. They did not understand it in that sense to apply it to themselves and to their lives and grow by it. And the same is true here. Let him who has an ear hear. He's given the ear by the Spirit. The Spirit speaks to that spiritual ear, what he says to the churches. It's not that you can't understand anything I said. I think everyone here, except for very young, understood every single word that I said. But will you accept it? Will you receive it? Will you listen? And thereby be blessed. That's the point. When he says, he that has an ear. Of course you have an ear. Of course you hear. But ah, fully. This is what the Spirit is saying to us all. There is a... Uh, a... Uh, a writing on a church in Germany. And... Uh, found this out. I think I'd like to end with this. Uh, this is what it says on this church door in, uh, in Germany. It says, you call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me way and walk me not. You call me life and choose me not. You call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me gracious 
and trust me not. You call me might and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, we pray thee that you would find us seeing you and walking with you and choosing you and following you and loving you and asking you and seeking you and serving you and trusting you and honoring you and fearing you. And yes, Lord, so that you are saving us and sanctifying us as we go. Bless us in our way today. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. That's in closing, sing hymn number 576 and 576. Let's rise up.